Well, welcome to Epic, everybody. Glad that you are with us today. If you're new, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and you stepped into part two of our end time series where we're talking about the end of the world as we know it. And uh, if you're new, you might be thinking, why did I come today? Why didn't I come next week? Uh, We'd still be in the end time series. You come a month from now, and then maybe we'd be in something different. But I'm telling you that you came on a great Sunday. Because today we're going to talk about some super exciting things related to the end times, and I know you're going to want to hear that stuff. But for those of you who were with us last week, I'm curious to know how many of you felt like this after the service. (laughs) Anybody feel that way after the service? A few of us? Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of information we're trying to cover in this series. And what I said was it's going to feel like taking a sip from a fire hose. So uh, I hope that your lips are okay after last week, and I hope you're ready again, because today we've got a lot more information to cover. So get your lips puckered up and ready to absorb some of this amazing information we're going to look at. Now, if you missed last week, or if you want to listen to um, last week's message, or if you want to listen to this message again, or any of the messages that we have, you can always go to our website, theepicchurch.com. You can go to our YouTube channel. You can go to our Facebook page. You can go to our iTunes account and listen to those things from those platforms. If you're somebody who says, I love end time prophecy, like I want to learn more about it. I love this stuff. If you'll pick up or go to our website and check out our spiritual growth challenge, you'll be able to see some great resources that we have posted there. And uh, we've got enough resources for you to spend until Jesus comes back, unless he comes back tomorrow. Um, But we've got a lot of resources there that you can dive into. And if you like that kind of stuff, I hope that you'll check that out. Now, from last week, we handed out our end times chart as people were coming in. If you didn't by chance get a copy of this, at the back of each seating section, you can pick one of these up. And I encourage you to do that. But you can do it before you leave. You can do it right now. It doesn't matter. I encourage you to to get a copy of this and uh, keep that with you. You can take a picture of it with your smartphone or you can put it in your Bible. This is something you take notes on. This would be a great resource to have as we look at the high-level stuff related to the end times. Now, we're going to dive in. So who is ready for another sip from a fire hose? All right. The front right row is, is ready. So great. So here we go. Last week, we started with an introduction message about end-time prophecy. And we were looking at, I'll bring our chart back up here, We were looking at number one on our chart, the church age, okay? That's the age that we are currently living in. It's also known as the age of grace, where God poured out his grace on humanity by sending Jesus to die so we can have eternal life. And aren't you grateful for God's grace? We should be grateful for God's grace. But I do believe that the church age, the age of grace, is going to come to an end with an event that Jesus talks about in John chapter 14. So in John 13, Jesus gathers his disciples together for what we know as the Last Supper. And uh, we know that he washed his disciples' feet, celebrated communion with them, and did a few different things around communion that we'll talk about in a minute. And then he told his, his followers, listen, guys, I'm about to leave. Like, I'm going away. And his disciples were confused. 
they were afraid. They're, they're grieving. Like, what do you mean you're going away? What do you mean you're leaving, Jesus? Like, we've given up everything to follow you. You can't leave. Like, what, what are you talking about? And so Jesus comforts them in John 14, verse 1. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Now, when Jesus made this statement, he was using marriage language. And really, a lot of what Jesus did around the Last Supper was marriage related. And his disciples would have recognized it even though they didn't know what it was all about. And I'm pretty sure they thought or they whispered to each other, this seems a whole lot like a wedding proposal. Like, like this is like really weird. What's Jesus doing here right now? So here's an example of why they would have thought that. Back in ancient Jewish culture in, in those days, when a young man wanted to marry a young woman, it was a big deal. It's a big deal today, but it was kind of a more official deal in that they didn't just run off and you know, get engaged somewhere together. It was a family event. So his dad came to talk to her dad, and they would negotiate a bride price, the price that that young man had to pay to earn her in marriage. And once that was decided then that young man would pour a cup of wine. He would take a sip of that cup and he would offer that to his potential bride. If she received it and took a sip out of it, that was her saying, yes, I will marry you. And I'm sure, you know, guys, if you've ever proposed before, you know that moment when you're on your knee and you're holding that out, like I'm thinking he's shaking his hand as he's handing, you know, the, the glass of the cup of wine out and she's receiving it. Is she going to take it? Is she going to throw it back in my face? What's she going to do? And when she sips it, she says, yes. And then he's like, awesome, wonderful. Well, guess what? I'm going to go away and I'm going to prepare a place for us. I'm going to go build our home. And when our home is ready, I'm going to come back and get you so that we can go and live together forever. And uh, anybody ever built a home before? Did, did your home get built exactly when you thought it would get built? Probably not. Like there's all kinds of things that happen when we're building a home. And so we kind of have a general idea of when our home will be ready. We don't know exactly. And sometimes that's longer than we expect or shorter than we expect. So our Jewish bride would not know when her man would come back after uh, their home had been built. So she would do everything she needed to get ready. She would prepare herself, get all of her belongings in order. She would be uh, prepared on that moment that he would come back and they would have their wedding and the reception and they would go off to their new life together. So in John 13 and John 14, Jesus sets up this really interesting relationship sets himself up as the groom and his followers as the bride. The Bible actually calls all Christ followers from that point on as the bride of Christ. And I know, guys, it's like weird to think of yourself as the bride, but it's just an illustration, so don't get lost in it, okay? So in this passage, Jesus tells us when everything is ready, he's going to come back and get us. And Jesus has been gone a long time. 
Jesus has been gone over 2,000 years. So I want you to think about this. The scripture teaches that Jesus created this world, the universe, everything we know about it, everything we haven't discovered yet about it, the amazing places we've been to, the amazing places we'd love to go to. Jesus created all that in six literal days. He's had over 2,000 years to create our heavenly home. Like, what do you think heaven's going to be like? Awesome. Great. Wonderful answer. Scripture actually teaches our mind cannot even begin to imagine how amazing heaven is going to be. And if you're a Christ follower, one day you'll get to be there and experience it firsthand when Jesus comes back. So we don't need to be depressed about how long Jesus has been gone. We need to be excited that one day he's going to come back and we're going to get to go live with him in our heavenly home. We're going to jump over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where the apostle Paul tells us about that day that Jesus is going to come back. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 says, and now dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So remember that. Verse 15, he says, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. So let me explain what's happening here. There's a whole lot in in these uh, few verses. Bible teaches that when a Christ follower dies, their spirit immediately goes to be in God's presence, immediately goes to heaven. The Apostle Paul explains that a little bit further in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, where he says, we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then, when we're away from these earthly bodies, we will be at home with the Lord. So the moment that we take our last breath on this earth, we'll take our first breath in heaven. If you're a Christ follower, We'll, we'll step into to God's presence and begin our experience there with him. But we will leave our body behind. Over 18 years ago, my dad left his body behind. My dad had an 11-year battle with leukemia and lost that battle. And uh, I'll never forget the night that uh, Tammy and I got the call that my dad had passed. So we drove down to Orlando to the hospital where he was, and I walked into that hospital room and saw him laying on the hospital bed, kissed my dad on his forehead, and I knew my dad's not here. This is just his body, just his body that he's been carrying around for 62 years of his life. But he's not here. He's somewhere else. Because of his faith in Jesus, he's in God's presence. And so there was some grieving that I had in in my heart, but it was like Paul saying, we don't grieve without hope. 
because I know where my dad is. It's kind of like this, kind of like thinking, uh, my dad is in Hawaii on the most amazing vacation ever, and I'll get to see him. So do I want him to come back here? No. Does he want to come back here? No. He wants me to go there. I do want to go there. Not today, but I do want to go there one day. And so um, I'm excited that one day I'll get to see my dad again. If if you've got somebody in your life who's a a believer in Jesus who has passed and you're a Christ follower, you will get to see them again as well. But 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16 means all Christ followers who die before the rapture will be reunited with their bodies. Again, Jesus said he's going to bring them back with him. So when somebody dies, their spirit doesn't stay here on earth. Their spirit goes immediately to heaven and Jesus will bring them back with him and there will be a reunification of their spirit and their body, but it's not going to be their decayed body. It's not going to be their old earthly body. It's going to be a brand new body. And Paul tells us about that in 1 Corinthians 15, 51. He says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. And our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. So if you are a Christ follower, one day you're going to get a brand new body. Anybody excited about that possible day? Like, yes, like a brand new body. I've already put in a request. I would like a taller body with a little bit more muscular build and a little bit more hair would be a wonderful thing. You put in your request, we'll see what happens when those bodies come along. But they will be resurrected bodies like the body that Christ has. After those who have died are reunited with their bodies, 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up. Say caught up with me caught up. We'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Now that Greek word that's translated caught up is the word harpazo, harpazo. And I encourage you to find a way to get harpazo into a sentence this week at work. Okay. So just find a way to say harpazo and try to explain what it means. Well, here's what it means. It basically means snatched away. So when Jesus comes back for his bride, he's going to snatch his bride away in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It will happen faster than that. So we're excited about that, but I want you to think for a moment what will be left behind. There'll be a, a bunch of people left behind. So the day that millions of Christ followers around the world vanish, imagine what will happen on our earth. Imagine the chaos. Imagine the confusion. Imagine the theories that are proposed. Imagine the people saying, I told you aliens were real. There are going to be a lot of different thoughts going on, a lot of sadness, a lot of grieving, a lot of sheer confusion. And that event, the rapture happening, will start certain events on earth as well as certain events in heaven. On earth, it will begin what is known as the tribulation, number five on your chart. That's when the Antichrist will need to step up and start ruling 
over our world. The world will be in such a desperate place, they will look for any leader that will lead them. And the Antichrist will step forward and say, I'll lead you. And he will lead them over a seven-year time period that we'll talk about next week. But in heaven, number three and number four on your chart will happen. So that is the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage of the Lamb. Now, there are several different viewpoints around the rapture, about when this will happen. Um, There are Bible scholars that believe that it will happen before the tribulation period. And those people that hold that view are known as pre-tribbers, or they hold a pre-tribulation viewpoint. There are people who believe that Jesus will return halfway through that seven-year period of tribulation. Those are mid-tribbers holding a mid-tribulation viewpoint. Then there are people who believe that Jesus will come back for his bride after the tribulation, and that is a post-tribulation viewpoint. And there are Bible verses that seem to back up each viewpoint. That's why there are these different viewpoints. But I want to tell you that I am a pre-tribber. And I'm going to explain why, okay? So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul encourages the church of Thessalonica, and he, he talks about another group who's telling him about them. So listen now, he says that in verse 10. He says, and they, again, speaking of another group, speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. So um, Paul says, listen, like Jesus is going to rescue us from these terrors that are coming in the future. And then God himself says in Revelation 3, verse 10, he says, because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. So I believe in a pre-tribulation viewpoint that Jesus will come and snatch his bride away before the horrible experience of the tribulation. Now, I do believe that Christians will face persecution. I do believe that we will in our lives. Um, There's a lot of persecution, Christian persecution around the world. There are people around the world that understand what it means to be arrested for their faith understand what it means uh, if they are found with a Bible, just having a copy of the Bible, something that maybe some of us have five copies on our bookshelf at home. For them to have one copy could get them arrested, could get them put to death. So Christian persecution happens around the world, and it is happening in the United States right now. And there's an increase of that as well. And I think that you'll see that that increase in persecution that is happening and is going to continue to happen are around issues of faith, religious freedom, family, sexuality. We could even say safety. I think um, there are churches right now under the whole COVID uh, protocol stuff, there are churches that are in lawsuits right now because they've been trying to hold church services like we are, and yet they've been told they can't. So there's some of that going on right now. I think that kind of stuff will increase as we keep moving forward in the end times. Now, I do believe that Jesus will come back and get his bride before the tribulation time period happens. Now, could I be wrong about that? Yes, 
Absolutely, I could be wrong about that. And if Jesus does not come back before the tribulation period, guess what? I become a mid-tribber. I'm going to start believing that he's coming back halfway through. If he doesn't come back halfway through, guess what? I'm going to be a post-tribber. And I'm going to start believing he's coming back at the end. Here's what we know. Jesus is coming back. And we got to be ready. So we've got to be alert and ready for that time when he's coming back again. If he comes back before, I think he will. He might come in the middle or he might come at the end of the tribulation period. Now we need to make a distinction between the rapture and the second coming of Christ. So the rapture is when Jesus comes back to snap his bride away back to heaven, but he doesn't actually come back and step on planet earth. The second coming is when he comes back as a king to rule and reign the earth. And he actually touches down on the earth and sets up his millennial kingdom, which is number nine on your chart that we will explore in several weeks. But we do need to know that those are two separate events. So let's just pause for a second, check in with with everybody. Are you still okay? You still tracking? Your lips still puckered? Are you still able to absorb this stuff? So uh, we have a church member who's had some health issues, and so she and her husband are watching from home, but she has told me on a regular uh, basis that if you ever put me to sleep, I'm not coming anymore. So Miss Carolyn, if you're home watching, um, my prayer is that you're awake. If you're not, Mr. Chuck, please wake her up so that we can continue on because we got some exciting stuff that we're going to talk about next. So the next event that happens in heaven after the rapture, number three in your chart, is the judgment seat of Christ. So... The Apostle Paul, again, who wrote most of the New Testament, he says in Romans 14.10, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember that we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, as uh, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, he says, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil that we have done in this earthly body. Now, in these two passages, the Apostle Paul is speaking directly about Christ followers who are standing before God to give an account of their lives. And he uses that word judgment there, and often we mistranslate that word. It can actually mean judgment. It can mean reward as well, and that's kind of the translation that's used in these passages. And we can better understand that when we understand the judgment seat of Christ is also called the Bema seat of Christ. In ancient days, a Bema seat was a raised platform that a judge would sit on to rule over the Olympic Games. They would watch and observe each event that happens and they would make sure all the rules were followed and then they would judge at the end of that and reward the winner of each contest. So when it comes to the judgment seat of Christ, we need to understand that's gonna be more like an award ceremony where our judge rewards us for finishing the race as Christ followers. So it's going to be more of an award ceremony than anything else. 
And there are at least five awards that we can receive as Christ followers, and they are all called crowns, and we can get them for different reasons. So there is the incorruptible crown, the crown of life, the crown of rejoicing, the crown of righteousness, and the crown of glory. So again, those are different crowns that we can get for how we live in different ways in our relationship with God, and and our judge will give us those crowns. I want you to listen to what Dr. David Jeremiah says about the judgment seat of Christ. And if you don't know Dr. Uh, Jeremiah, he is one of the world-leading experts on the end times. And he's written many volumes of books that you can read and preach many messages on this topic. So I encourage you to get familiar with Dr. Jeremiah if you're not familiar with him. But he says this about the judgment seat of Christ. He says, the judgment seat is not about whether we will enter heaven. We'll already be there. It would be a time to give an account of the works that we have done on earth, and we will be rewarded accordingly. We will be assigned places of authority in the coming millennium. Again, that's number nine on your chart. That's a thousand years of perfection when God rules over the earth, and we'll get to that in a few weeks. And so we'll be assigned places of authority in the coming millennium based on our faithfulness to God when we were on the earth. So that's a a coming uh, event for us as Christ followers and not something that we should be afraid of, but something that we should look forward to. But I do want to pause for a moment of reflection around that. If you're a Christ follower, are you ready to stand before God and give an account of your life and be rewarded for how you've lived your life? There are moments that I say yes I'm ready. There are other moments that I say, I'm not quite ready. And in those moments, I acknowledge I'm not quite living the way that I should. I may have the wrong attitude in that moment. Uh, I may not be as focused on uh, helping people around me come to know Jesus so they can stand in that ceremony with me. So there are moments that I think we look at our lives and say, you know, I'm not quite ready. And I think the reality of one day that we're going to stand before God should motivate us to learn to live a little bit more like Jesus every day. After the judgment seat of Christ comes the marriage of the Lamb and the marriage supper of the Lamb. And uh, like I mentioned earlier in that Jewish culture, after a groom had built a home for his bride, he would come back and get her. That would be an exciting day. You know, he has worked for months. She has waited and prepared for months. And it would be an exciting day when he would come back and say, everything's ready. I've finished our home. So let's get married and let's have our wedding reception. They would have a wedding and then a big, bigger wedding reception after that. And listen to how the Apostle John records the reception that we can have as Christ followers in Revelation 19. Verse six, he says, then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord for the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns and let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride has prepared herself. So if you've ever wondered, are are we going to eat in heaven there's your answer. And it's not going to be one of those microwavable dishes that you throw in your microwave. It's not going to be that. It's going to be a feast that we enjoy together. 
And the cool thing is we won't gain any weight. You won't have to go walk, you know, a few miles after you eat this food. It's going to be an amazing banquet at an amazing wedding reception. Now, there's some debate between Bible scholars about when the marriage of Christ, marriage of the Lamb, and the marriage supper happens. There are some who believe that both of those events happen in heaven while the tribulation period is happening on earth, and they put it in a seven-year time frame. There are others that believe the marriage happens in heaven and then the reception happens on earth during a thousand year time frame. So not exactly sure um, which that will be. But here's the cool thing. If you're a Christ follower, you don't have to worry about when it'll be because you'll be there. So you'll be at it. So you need to make sure that you're at it if you aren't a Christ follower and put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Here's a really cool thing to think about. Back in New Testament days, the length and cost of a Jewish wedding and reception was tied to the wealth of the father. The wealthier the father was, the longer the reception, the bigger the celebration. So I want you to imagine the kind of wedding and celebration God the father is going to throw his son on his wedding day. His son who followed his every wish to the point of death so that He could pay the bride price for us. What kind of wedding is that going to be? What kind of reception is that going to be? I'm thinking big. I'm thinking bigger than we think. I'm thinking longer than we tend to think. I think it's going to be this amazing celebration where God demonstrates his eternal wealth and pours that out on his son and his bride in a party like has never been had before. And I don't know whether you think you've been a partier in your day, but you haven't partied until you've been to one of God's parties, okay? So make sure you're at that party, again, by putting your faith in Jesus. So the next question we have to ask is, when will the rapture and the second coming happen? Anybody know? None of us know. Well, anybody heard of somebody saying when it would be? I mean, I think we've all heard. There have been predictions for quite a long time, where somebody says, I think it's on this date, Jesus is coming back, get ready, sell your house, Um, rack up your credit cards, Um, whatever, like spend all you wanna spend, he's coming back. And then Jesus said this in Mark 13, 32, he said, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven and get this, or the son himself. Jesus says, listen, how can you predict a date I don't even know? I don't know it, you shouldn't predict it. You shouldn't try to to say it's going to be this date. Only the Father knows that. And since you don't know when the time will come, be on guard. Stay alert. It's like Jesus saying, listen, I'm going away to prepare a place. When it's ready, I'll come get you. When's that day going to be? Not sure. The Father will tell me when it's done. When it's finished, I'll come back. So what do we need to do? We need to be getting ready. Being prepared, preparing ourselves, preparing our hearts, preparing other people around us for the day that Jesus is going to come back and take his bride home to be with him forever. Next week, we're going to transition into the not-so-fun conversation about the tribulation. Again, I don't believe Christ followers will be here during that time frame. I do believe people will become Christ followers during that time frame. I believe that we who are alive right now, if you're a Christ follower, you'll be snatched away. And then the tribulation period will happen on earth. 
I do think there's a lot of great information we should know. So I hope you'll come back next week for that and invite people to come back with you. But my closing question for today is, are you ready for Christ's return? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Have you received his marriage proposal? Have you said yes? Have you symbolically received that that cup of wine and said, I'm in. Jesus, I believe in you. If you have, 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul says, one day Jesus will step out of one of those clouds for you. And he will call you and say, it's time, it's ready, I'm finished. And I think we should be looking at the clouds always. So I'm a cloud lover. When I see a cloud and we're driving around with my family or my kids, I see a cloud and it's got a beam of sun coming out of it. I say, there's a Jesus cloud. Get ready. Take a picture of it. Like, well, keep watching. He might step out of that cloud. Don't look away. One day, Jesus is going to step out of a cloud. He's going to call you home. Will you be there? Will you be ready? If you would say, you know what? Like, I'm not sure. I don't know that I have put my faith in Jesus. I don't know that he would come back for me. You can know today, today can be the day that you make that decision, that you receive the gift that he's given you, that you say, yes, I'm in, and you receive his marriage proposal. I'm going to walk you through how you can do that in just a minute. But listen, again, what Jesus said in John 14, 1 applies to us. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you. So today, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, it can be the day that Jesus says, you know, I'm going to come and get you too. You're going to be a part of the bride of Christ. I'm going to walk you through how you can make that decision in just a moment. And then our worship team will close us out. But... I want to remind you, like something we, we say often around here, is if, if our conversation has stirred something in your heart and you want to have more conversations about that, what it means to put your faith in Jesus or how to really live for Jesus, or if you've got a heavy burden on your heart, stop by our care table before you leave. We'd love to talk with you about that. I'll be out in the lobby somewhere. Come find me. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to pray with you about anything that's going on in your world. But as we close today... Let's just pray together. And I'm going to talk to several different groups of people as we pray. So let's all bow our heads and pray. As we pray, I'm curious to know how many of you would say, you know what, I am ready for Jesus to come back. If you're ready, would you raise your hand? I get many people here. We're just ready for Jesus to, to come back, step out of that cloud. That's going to be an exciting day. Now, how many of you would say, you know what, I'm a Christ follower, but I'm not quite ready because as I listen to this message and kind of evaluate my life, I'd have to be honest, I'm, I haven't really been living for Jesus. If you're in that spot, would you raise your hand? All right, been a num- there's a number of folks raising their hand right here. So God, uh, we're just so grateful for the promise that one day you're coming back. And yet, There are moments, Lord, that we struggle with that because I think we forget that you're coming back. We get so focused on our lives, on our here, our now. We forget the incredible promise that one day you're going to come back and snatch your bride away forever to be with you. So, Lord, those of us who are Christ followers, we need to be ready for that day. Help us 
to focus on that. Help us never to forget that you're coming back. As we continue to pray, I'm curious if there's anybody here that would say, you know what, I don't know if he'd come back for me. I don't know that he would come take me home to be with him. I don't know that I've put my faith and trust in him. So if there's anybody in that spot, whether you're here on campus or you're watching online, would you just raise your hand for a second so I can see that? Just hold up for just a second. I see three up front. Thank you for that. I see another in the back, four or five. See six. All right. Thanks. You can put your hands down. So today in this moment, symbolically, the creator of the universe has poured a cup of wine. He said, listen, I've already paid the bride price. I've paid for you with my life. And I offer you eternal life. I offer you an opportunity to be in a relationship with me that will last forever. And right now, whether you're here on campus and you've raised your hand, whether you didn't raise your hand, whether you're watching from home and you know that you need to make this decision, Jesus offers this to you. Again, it's a symbolic thing. So you can receive it by saying, Jesus, I receive your marriage proposal. I believe that you are God in the flesh and that you died so I can have eternal life. So right now, I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. And right now, I commit to follow you the rest of my days and make myself ready for your return. If you've just prayed that prayer, I encourage you to keep coming back. There's a lot more information you need to know about growing a relationship with God. And I'm so proud of you, so excited for you. You're now part of the bride of Christ. I encourage you uh, in whatever situation you're in to, to talk to God about whatever's going on in your heart and mind. Thank him for your relationship with him. Talk to him about the things that are bothering you during our final song and know that he loves you. He's here for you. He's gonna come back for you one day. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand with us and sing?